0: I-V-M. Well, we saw in the last episode that what is really damaging to families and relationships is real and present danger. An indecent boss, for instance, and not pornography per se. And if consumed privately and consensually at home, pornography is in fact constitutional. And that's how we see our homes, apartments, rooms, corners, barsatis bungalows. However big or small, it's yours. Welcome to the podcast, The Longest Constitution. And I am your host Priya Mirza. And today we are talking about homes. Uh, not Sherlock Holmes. Home. Where one lives. That home. But what is home? And what does it mean to be home? I imagine home to be a place where one can be oneself to do what one likes as long as you aren't violating anyone else. You feel safe. You can paint the walls purple, eat off the floor, keep the bathrooms dirty or scrub every tile. Mm, That's like my sister. It's your space. But many people live in a space known as home but without feeling that comfort. Today's story is to do with a woman's search for home. Harvinder Kaur who learned the hard way that her marital home wasn't her home. We start in 1976, when Harvinder worked for Indian Petrochemical Limited at a salary of Rs. 600, and she married her mother Singh Chaudhary. They lived with his parents. But after a while of her marriage, she felt she had had enough and left. Except that her husband wanted to drag her back home and he had law on his side. This was with section 9 of the Hindu Marriage Act, which is the restitution of conjugal rights. Which means in simple English, if either husband or wife withdraws from the other, the other person can appeal to the court to send that person back. We'll come back to this later, but first, let's rewind and see why did Harvinder leave her husband? Mm, she was unhappy. She was unhappy that her mother-in-law spoke rudely, was stern and mean and a control freak and told her not to go anywhere without her permission. Her mother-in-law kept her entire salary except for Rs 50 per month and that was apparently left for her to travel to work. What? She was asked to cook and clean and dust. Finally, her husband was cruel with her in bed. So the sex wasn't great either. Far from being home, this seemed like a torture cell. So Harvinder left. She said she didn't want to live with her in-laws, but she was at least willing to live with her husband. Except that when she left, Harmandar Singh wanted her back. So under the Hindu Marriage Act, Section 9, if a husband or wife withdraws from the house, the relationship, a restitution decree can restore cohabitation. To me, that sounds like forced cohabitation. Imagine having to cohabit with someone you don't want to cohabit with. Imagine having to live with someone you don't want to live with. That makes life completely unlivable. And it's so bizarre that the Hindu Marriage Act, a law passed by the Indian Parliament in 1955, put this clause to regulate the private affairs of a married couple. It makes me think, how can a marriage function where a court order can compel you to return to your spouse is based on love? I mean, if you need the force of law to keep a relationship going, I can't imagine a lot of love there. And her Harvinder saw this and challenged this. She said the restitution of conjugal rights is contrary to Articles 14 and 21 of our Constitution. The right to equality and the right to freedom. And this is something pending in the Supreme Court right now. And we'll talk about this on another episode. But the point here is what the judge said when Harvinder challenged Section 9. He called Harvinder a liar. He called her complaints trivial. He called her a manipulative, selfish marriage breaker. But most infamously, Justice Rohotagi in Harvinder Court versus Harmandar Singh Chaudhary, 1983 said that The introduction of the constitution in the home is most inappropriate. It is like introducing a bull in a china shop. In the privacy of the home and married life, neither Article 21 nor Article 14 have any place. Really? Marriage is between equals. I'd like to know if Rotaki would be happy giving up his salary and doing the dishes every day. It took India another 20 years to recognize that domestic violence is not just about being beaten up. In 2005, the Indian Parliament passed the Protection of Women from Domestic Violence Act. What's really unusual about the Act is that it mentions the right of women under the Constitution, even at home. The law provides relief to women who are victims of violence of any kind within the family. And with that, the Act redefined a couple of things. The first, home and domestic. Sharing a house is the definition of domestic. You could be paying the rent or not paying the rent. Or maybe you own the house. But purely on the basis of just living together, it is a domestic relationship. And with that, every relationship in a home is a domestic relationship. Whether it's a live-in one or a married one. The second, Violence doesn't mean being beaten and burnt only. So unlike Section 498A of the IPC, which deals specifically with dowry, this Act recognises that violence need not be dowry-related and covers mean things like comments and denying somebody food and forcing someone to leave the house. And with that, the Constitution entered the private space of the home which Justice Rotakir tried so hard to keep out of. The third, that women have a right to residence in their husband's homes and cannot be thrown out. It's the wife's home too, by the sheer virtue of her living there. And finally, it can be initiated only by women. It's a law for women against an adult male, clearly recognizing the inequality between men and women. So, the primary aim of the law is not to criminalize violence for which there are other laws, but to help and intervene. Since then, courts have interpreted this and delivered justice at times and at times injustice. So, let's see the first case. SR Batra versus Taruna Batra, 2006. The court ruled wrongly that the woman could not stay in the house because the house belonged to her mother-in-law, even though they had been living together there. That's not right. But since then... Courts have also seen the spirit of the law. In Hiral Harsarora versus Kusum Harsarora 2016, the court opened the law further and said the case need not be only a woman filing against a man. Women relatives of the man could be sued for violence as well. So mother-in-laws, watch out. But what about men facing violence? men are forever moping and crying about how the law is misused against them. Well, in 2017, Mohammed Zakir in Bangalore filed a petition saying that his wife's family was being violent to him. But he has sensibly withdrawn it because not many men have been compelled to the scale of the emotional, sexual and economic abuse that women routinely are. And the law recognizes patriarchy that our social structures are tilted against women and our constitution's vision is to straighten things up, to equalise. Living together in homes and in peace means living by constitutional morality, which has no room for meanness, cruelty and being plain horrid, no matter what tradition and culture say. In the next episode, we will look at what the restitution of conjugal rights means. And why should the court tell a wife to return to a husband? Till then, it's me Priya Mirza signing off the longest constitution.